Fatima's mom died when she was three and she witnessed the whole thing. The memory is still very vivid for her. Her father abandoned her shortly after that and she was raised by her maternal grandparents. A warning that Pratima's story contains elements of homicide and abuse. Please choose another story if these details will be unhealthy for your own grief journey. And now, Pratima's story. Hi, this is Beth. Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today I have with me Pratima. Um, and I am going to basically just turn the mic right over to you, Pratima, and let you share your story um, and introduce yourself. And then when you're done sharing, I will come back with a couple of questions at the end. So thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you for having me. Um, hello, everyone, whoever's listening. My name's Pratima. I live in Toronto. I'm 24. Um, the story of my mom goes back to when I was three years old and I lost my mom. Um, this is a triggering and a sensitive story. I just want to put it out there. Um, I was three years old. I was living with my parents back in my hometown in India. And it just happened suddenly. Um, we were just sleeping together, all of us. And I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't see my mom. I turn, I turn over to on the other side of the bed, trying to find my mom. She's not there on either of either sides of the bed. Um, I faintly hear some voices. And um, it was very late at night. And I was three years old, um, just to give a context. I hear them fighting. And um, my mom realizes that I have, um, I'm awake. So she comes back to the room puts me to bed again. A um, couple hours later, I wake up again. I hear the same voices and this time I witnessed their fight. Um, she, my dad is hitting my mom and the fight continues. It goes on. My mom realizes that I'm awake. Um, I follow my parents to the kitchen and the one thing I remember is that my father is pouring kerosene over my mom and he is burning her alive in front of my eyes. And I'm just, I'm just like a three-year-old tiny toddler just witnessing all of that, screaming, yelling about my mom crying. And it's very terrifying because I don't understand half of it, what's happening. And the other half of me is like, can sense the fear. There's something wrong happening, but I can't really do anything. I'm just crying. I'm just, I'm just toddler. I'm just three years old. Um, the worst part about it is she looks me dead in the eyes. She doesn't flinch when this is happening to her. She doesn't resist. She looks me dead in the eyes. And she has, in that moment I knew, she has given up even before she was dead, even before the moment when she's actually dying in front of me. She didn't flinch. She didn't resist. Um, she just um, stood there looking at me, crying. And I was also crying and yelling. Um, my father lights her up 
the entire kitchen's on fire. Uh, he leaves the room. Um, I try to escape because the uh, I stood there, but the fire has come so close to me that I could be in danger. But um, all I can do is just leave the room. That's what I did. I left the room and then I probably hid somewhere because I remember my father trying to push me in into the same room, trying to lock me into the kitchen and I couldn't find a way out. After that, it's all blank. Like this is the last memory I have of my mom being alive or semi-alive, I must say. Um, next, the next thing I remember is me and my grandma in a hospital and my mom's body has been taken to the morgue. And my grandma says, this is the last time you'll ever see your mom. So say your goodbyes. And uh, I don't understand what's happening, but I just do as my grandma says, she's crying. And that's about it. Three months down the line, my dad drops me off um, at my grandma's place. He doesn't even bothered to knock on the door and leave me inside. He just leaves me outside the house, just like that. Um, after a couple minutes or maybe like 30 minutes or so, my grandma comes out looking for something else and she finds me standing on the street and she takes me in and she doesn't understand what's happening. Like, how did I just end up over there in front of her street, just like that, with no notice whatsoever. Um, these are the chain of events that followed, but there's obviously missing pieces in between that I would like to share now. So this is what I figured out later on when I grew up a little bit, um, the missing pieces, what actually happened based on what my grandparents told me and what everyone else told me what actually happened. So my mom never spoke the truth about how she was killed. And she always made it look like it was a it was an accident that's how it was reported to the police that um, there was a gas explosion she died in a gas explosion she was alive for three days um, she was in um, ICU um, she had 75% burn marks on her body and doctors had told my grandparents that she's not going to survive this she lasted three days um, during those three days, I was not able to see my mom at all because my father had apparently kidnapped me, kept me away from the family and my mom. And he has threatened my mom, saying that if she ever speaks the truth about what actually happened, he's going to kill me. So she she doesn't say anything. Um, she was a teacher, so she knew how to read and write. And she was very... Um, she was educated so when the police came to take a last statement um, um my father corrupted the police saying um he added one more line to the statement saying that my husband and my father-in-law has nothing to do with this gas explosion whatsoever my mom definitely um uh, she was not able to sign the documents uh, because of the burn mark so she had to thumbprint it um, she could also not read because she had the burn marks on her eye, around her eyes as well. So that was the statement, and that's the statement because of which my father has never been convicted of this crime whatsoever. And there are not many people out there who knows about this, what actually happened that night. Um, 
during this period, the three days period when my mom was in hospital, my family's primary uh, point or source of attention or was my mom. Uh, nobody was actually even thinking about me. They were just, for them, it was just like, oh, I'm with my dad and what, what else could have happened? Um, so nobody had any idea about where I was and I completely do not remember those three days whatsoever. They are completely blank from my memory. Um, that's what my father did. And this stems from um, the very old dowry system in India where my mom refused to um, pay additional dowry to my father or additional money to my father. And my grandparents um, didn't know anything about it. They had no idea what was going on in my mom's life or mom's marriage. Um, she has expressed dissatisfaction, displeasure about her marriage to my grandma, but my grandma was, um, she didn't know what actually was going on. So she, like any other mother would, she would be like, okay, work it out, you know, if you have any problems, come to us, we will look after you. But my mom was also very stubborn <laughs> and very independent and fierce. So she was like, she did not want to worry my grandparents anymore. And um, once what what a married life looks like in India for a woman is once you're married off, you're married off. That's it. There's no divorce is such a taboo subject. Um, there are so many things back in India that that are still taboo. And this was in the year of 2001, around that time, December. This all came um, came to my grandparents' attention later on after three months when my father dropped me off abruptly um, at my grandparents' place. And my grandma phones my father asking, what's going on? Why did you just leave her over there? And he says that because I've lost my wife and because you have lost your daughter, I don't think I'm going to be able to take care of her anymore. So it's best that she live, she lives with you for a couple months. So my grandma thought that it was also a good idea that, you know, I will be living with my grandparents for a while until things get better for my dad. That's what my grandma was thinking. Till this point, three months down the line after my mom's dad, nobody has a, a, any idea of what's what actually happened. And because I was living with my grandma, I, I used to draw. So I used to tell my grandma what actually happened. And a few months down the line, um, my father sued my grandma saying that I kidnapped that she kidnapped me. That's the most absurd part of the entire story because he got away with homicide. He could have lived his life um, without take, drawing any further attention to himself. He dropped me off at my grandma's place and he could have never come back for me because he never did. He abandoned me. Um, this is the most absurd part. I still, to, till today, I do not understand. None of my parents do understand. Why did he do that? Why did he sue my grandparents saying, um, that they kidnapped me when in fact it was him who dropped me off at my grandma's place. Um, it's probably the only explanation I could think of is to cause more trouble to my grandparents than um, he actually has on, by um, making my mom suffer so much in the marriage. This was his 
this was not his only attempt to kill my mom. This was his first successful attempt to kill my mom. Later on, we found out that he had tried to kill my mom on several occasions. He had tried to drown her um, as well when we went on a vacation at some place. Um, after he sued my grandma, we don't know what's actually going to happen. Uh, he sued my grandma for custody battle which was so uncalled for because you dropped me off. Again, very absurd, no clue what's going on in his head. Um, my mom's best friend came forward later on telling my grandparents about the real truth about my mom's marriage and how dreadful it, it was and how she had to survive through so many things. All this is coming from my mom's best friend who knew everything about her. And my grandparents were shocked to find that out. My grandparents were um, really, really upset about what was going on. And um, I think they kind of still blame themselves for not being able to help their only daughter. Um, when, if only, if only my mom came forward about all these things, all the truths about the relationship. My grandparents are educated people. They, they would have, um, it would have been a tough place um, to get the divorce, but they would have supported my mom at the end of the day. They loved her. They absolutely adored her. Everyone did. Um, this is what happened with my mom. We, we went on for a custody battle for, I think, as much as I can remember, until I, I became a major. I, I was a minor until the age of 18. So there was a custody battle that lasted that long. My grandma, after she found out the truth, she went to such great lengths to keep me with her because she knew if she sends me back or if he gets my custody at all, I'm gonna be the next victim of his killing. Um, we went to the district court, we went to tribunal court, we went to district court, we went to high court, the state court. Every court that we went to, um, the, the judge ruled in my dad's favor because he's my natural guardian and he's my biological father. So, in, and because my mom's um, death was forged, it was falsified, um, there was no way or no reason for the judge to believe that I was in any danger to um, when I was with my father, if I was with my father. Um, my grandma went to Supreme Court. Um, she spent great amount of money. Um, it was very expensive for us. We, we don't come off from well, well off, we are not well off. I don't come from a rich family or whatsoever. We are very um, lower middle class families. Um, my grandma, she, she did so much for me. She, um, she spent all her life savings into with, on me for you know, paying the lawyers, traveling. Um, it was so bad because um, I had to miss school. I had to uh, miss school and other parts of my life because I was going through this custody battle and it was a constant um, pressure on my grandparents or on the family or like a dark force, um, like a dark cloud, I would say, because nobody would know what would actually happen. Um, the court rulings, not, not a very pleasant experience growing up. 
um, finally, when um, I became, we went to, to the Supreme Court, um, that's the highest court in India, um, but we got a stay, so stay means um, there's no ruling on that. So because I was already with my grandparents, I remained with my grandparents until the time. Um, and then it just faded away because the legal system in India is um, screwed up. There are no, it went on for a really long period of time. And once I became 18, um, nobody could touch me because um, I obviously chose to remain with my grandparents. During those time, um, during the entire duration, he tried to come to my school where my grandparents put me and he tried to get inside the school and get my, um, kidnap me again, basically from there. But my school authorities were already informed about the situation. So they immediately uh, informed my grandparents and I had to like being locked up in school after hours. Um, this was in second grade. I had to stay in until a couple hours later, my grandpa could um, come and get me because he was, um, he was also working. So, and just seeing him from the school balcony, just waiting there outside for me, um, it was a terrifying experience because apart from that, after that night, when my mom, um, when my mom uh, died, that incident with my mom, I have seen him only a couple times. Um, I forgot him very quickly. I don't remember his face whatsoever. I don't remember the sound of his voice. Um, I've seen him in code a couple of times. That, that was about it. And um, once at the school, though that's my only memory of him. And frankly, it's safe to say that I hate him a lot. I do hate him, but um, I was very angry. I was really angry for a really long period of time. And I think I still am. Uh, my grandparents are also really angry, but more than anger, it's, it's the loss. It's the loss of my mom at such a young age and not having experienced anything with her whatsoever is, um, is traumatic to me till today. Um, he current update is that he he got married real quickly after that um he has a son he has a different life for him he took everything from me he took my mom he burned the house down which could have been legally mine um which I honestly don't care about but he took my home he took my mom um, he took away the life. He robbed me out of the normal childhood that I could have have had for myself. Um, he took everything from me because my mom was everything, basically. I am so lucky to have had grandparents, uh, my maternal grandparents, and I'm so lucky to have had my grandma. She has been there. She has been my rock. She has been my solid rock ever since. Um, she is the reason why I am where I am. I owe everything to her, everything. I'm still writing furiously. Um, well, while I'm muted, I take notes while people are, are sharing. And um, Wow. Uh, and so now you're 24 years old. Do you, are you, do you still live with your grandparents? No, um, I moved to Canada a couple years ago. I did my high school, college and university back home in Bombay. 
and then I moved to Canada for postgrad and then I started working for a Canadian bank over here got a co-op um, started working with them for like last a year and a half now and it's been it's been like that ever since I just moved here by myself to escape all of that that I've been through India wasn't for me growing up I just I just knew it it's not going to be for me going through so much um, so much stressful um, situations traumatic situations if I may um, I had a bit of a it didn't end there I think um, the real the real trouble the real trauma came after she was gone having to live with her loss having to live with her absence on a day-to-day basis is just something I had to it became my new normal I had to adapt to that um there are a couple memories of her that I remember of my mom um her feeding me or her um taking me to my grandma's place uh, visiting my grandma and spending those time together those are the very few memories that I've got of her um, apart from that I've got nothing I had to re-watch a couple um, videos um, of few um, celebrations or occasions that we have had in the family and that's when I can see her and she was such a bubble of joy she was um she was so energetic. She was so, she's also very, as I said, she was fierce. She was very independent uh, for, for women to be educated and, you know, speak their mind and keep their head up high. Back then, back in India, it was, it was very rare. Um, she was not rare. She was, she was rare. She was not common, um, like most women at her age at that period of time. My grandparents raised her really like that, and I've um I my smile takes after her. I've I've known this a lot. So many people tell me if I like your smile, I was like it's. I think that's the biggest compliment because it really is uh, like a carbon copy of my mom. I've been told a couple of family members and everyone else. Um, she was very stubborn. <laughs> she was very stubborn. <laughs> she was determined to become doctor, but then because of how things go back in India for women of certain age, um, they're married off. Um, she had to do that for my grandparents. Um, we were not above the culture that was going on at the time. We uh, my grandparents were still very much um, submitting to the society norms and standards at the time. So she was married um, probably around like 23 or 24 and she died when she was 27. That's she, um, yeah, she was very young when she had me. Um, I barely had like three years with her. Those three years out of which I can barely remember a couple things apart from that. I don't, I don't remember much about her. All, all my memory of her is from um, bits and pieces. It's in tiny fragments. And it's also um, from whatever my grandparents tell me about her, how she was growing up, um, how did how, what she would have wanted for me to become. And um, she wanted to be a doctor for, so for a really long period of time growing up, 
um, I had that pressure of becoming a doctor, but at the end of the day, I, I'm like, I don't think she would have wanted me to become something that I don't want to. She would have loved me to chase what I want to do and become. Um, my grandparents were very supportive um, of me. Growing up in India is such a tough experience as a girl because there is still so much bias about how things should go. Um, but I, I rose above them and the, all, of, all of the credit goes back to uh, my grandma and my grandparents for supporting me. And partly is also because, um, because they think that they lost their one daughter and they would not. And I am the best thing they've gonna have in place of their daughter, their beloved daughter. So they had to, they, I don't think they, they kind of also felt like um, the guilt that took over them about losing the daughter, not being able to do everything that they could have done for her. So they did, so to compensate for that, they did everything for me. They fought with so many family members for me um, because everyone was like, oh, she has no mom. You know, it's better to just like marry her off. You know, there's no point in educating her. That's how most people in India still think to date. And it's sad. It's very sad. My grandparents kind of protected me from all of that. They were like, you do what you want to do. And I was a, I was really good academically growing up as a child. I was, I was a very good kid, um, kind of because I knew that um, I don't come from a normal um normal families um, or no, I don't have a normal upbringing. My grandparents are my life and they're gonna be there only for a certain period of time. So I have to make um, something of myself till the time they are here. So that pressure was always there to excel academically or to excel in any field or anything that I um, undertook as a kid. So I was a good kid, <laughs> didn't get in any troubles. My grandparents never had to worry about me like that. They never had to tell me, do your homework. Um, they never had to tell me, look at your grades. <laughs> they just, they just kind of knew that I take after my mom. And they, I, I had to grow up really quickly because of what I went through. So I had like no luxury of, um, screwing up things or making mistakes like most other kids my age would do I had to get it right the first time because I have no second chance um I went to school um I finished my school I was the top five of my class I graduated 10th grade um I graduated um college as well um within the top 10 top 15 students I went on to a college in Bombay, um, which is affiliated with the University of Mumbai. So I essentially went to University of Mumbai. I did my bachelor's over there. And then I um, decided to move to Canada. I, it was always at the back of my head. I always knew that I had to go somewhere else, not here, anywhere but here. So um, I met my best friend in college and we both applied for Canadian visas together, looking after colleges. And two years down the line, because of the COVID, my original plan to travel to Canada in April 2020 was delayed. And then I finally moved to Canada in September 2020. I went to school here. 
um, I did a postgrad. I got the co-op with um, my current company, current bank, and I've been with the current bank ever since. Life is still tough. Um, there are still so many things that I'm trying to figure out. Every day is a struggle um, because I think now more than ever, it hits me. It hits me what I have lost when I see, because when you're a kid, when you're a teen, you just kind of get accustomed to the new normal of you. Plus I had my grandparents, but ever since I started living alone, um, I would say I was a tough kid. I would rarely cry. Like the only thing that could make me cry was memories of my mom, nothing else. I was like, I was raised like that. I had to be tough, but over here, living in a different country, all alone, um, away from my family, every single person out there that I've known, that I grew up with, is so tough. Um, every single day, I'm like, should I be going back? Should I visit back? I haven't gone back ever since I moved here. It's, it's just not ideal for me right now. Um, I try to call my grandma as much as I can, but um, I leave out the details about what's going on in my life because I don't want to worry her and I kind of I kind of am becoming a little bit like my mom where she didn't share those details of her life at that age with my grandma because she didn't want to worry them um, so I kind of relate to her but I am still so angry at her for not fighting back in that moment when she was when she was going through it just not fighting back she just stood there and I'm like why mom why did you just stand there like you could have fought back you had this strength. she she was the strongest person in the family she had such strong opinions about so many things she would not care about what anyone else would think she just had to do her own thing. She was so stubborn, so determined. And I'm like, that's so, that's what my grandparents tell me about her. That's how she was growing up. And that's how she was with everyone else. That's the image. That's what they think of her. And the last memory that I have of her is that when, when she was going through it and I'm like, how can you, how can you, you know, just be there just stand there and not do anything not fight back for your life this person is taking your life you cannot this person has no right to take away your life I am standing there but something must have gone I cannot I cannot understand because something must have gone really really wrong in her life or um, my dad would have really broken her spirit to that extent where she just could not fight back. She had no, not even a fragment or ounce of energy left in her to fight in that moment. Probably she was fighting for too long and I didn't realize that. Probably she was fighting ever since the day she got married. And it, it came to an end. Um, I think he managed to break her. And I'm so furious about how can, how can he do that? How can he live his life like that? Having known that he has taken a life, he has taken a life and he has um, abandoned me over on top of that. He didn't take responsibility for any offer. 
um, and then he had the audacity to come back into the life and demand me just like that it's I I cannot imagine being that person whatsoever that's that's um that's screwed up on so many levels you have to be really really mentally ill to do that to someone and and I am paying the price for it my grandparents have been paying the price for it my family has been paying the price for it um, I've got two, just a little bit of family dynamics. I've got two uncles and I've got a bunch of cousins. So I was an only child, but um, I grew up with cousins. So it was never like I was alone. It was always full house. I know all about having siblings because they are my siblings at this point. Um, I grew up with them and we were real close in age as well. My oldest cousin. But the other trauma that I went through in my life was battling family relationships being, um, because in India, how it works is your son is supposed to um, take care of your parents. So it's like, uh, it's not really a joint family, but it was growing up, it was me, my grandparents, uh, my uncle and aunt, one set of uncle and aunt and their kids. So it was like a full family together. And that did not go right with my aunt at all. Um, I went through a lot of childhood trauma with her. There were constant fights about me, about why she should be taking care of me and why um, she has to um, face the consequences of my mom. And it just so happens that's how the life was for me. And I had accepted it. My grandparents had accepted it. Most of the responsibility for me was taken care by my grandparents, um, financial, economic, um, everything, social responsibility. My grandma would be there in lieu of my parents um, whenever it was needed in school or for other functions. Um, my uncle tried to be there for me as much as he can, but he had his own family, he had his own kids, he had three kids to look after, but he became my dad. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna give him the credit as well. He took after my father very much so to such extent that I still call him dad. Like mm -hmm. he is my dad. Um, I used to call my aunt mom as well because um, I was three when all these things happened. So I kind of just followed whatever my cousins were doing. I used to do mimic them like, Oh, that's you call them mom I'll call them mom you call him dad I'll call him dad and they didn't correct me um my family didn't correct me they kind of wanted me to grow up like that thinking that I do have parents um the closest thing to parents at least um but um unfortunately my aunt decided to take some different um route about me growing up like that and a lot of animosity um, growing up, um, a lot of comparisons to my cousins because, as I said, I was a good kid, um, so my grades were always good. I was always top of the class, so that took over um, for her own children. Um, she used to compare me to 
them uh, she used to compare them to me and that did not set right with my cousins because it um it definitely affected my relationships with them i had um i really tried to hold them close as much as possible like they're my entire world right now but um i eventually had to move out my parents my grandparents had to take care of me after um going through um abuse by my aunt um physical abuse mental abuse all of it uh, my grandparents finally decided to move out and then we moved out and um i lived after since probably like 17 or 18 i lived uh, with my grandparents separately and that has definitely put a barrier between me and my cousins after that growing up so tight and suddenly just not being able to see them whatsoever because that's what my aunt wanted them and we all had to respect her wishes because those are her kids at the end of the day so everyone in the family has to respect what she wanted for her kids and that was them to not meet me so it kind of grew tough after that as well because at least i had growing up my best friend was my cousin we we were inseparable um because we are barely um we are so close in age she is 6 months younger to me but now we don't talk that's where we are and it hurts me it aches my heart so much because i still consider her to be my sister um my cousin um uh, my best friend i would still very much something goes wrong she would be my first call of the day if something goes wildly wrong she knows all my secrets i know all of hers <laughs> she kept them <laughs> but um but it's it's just not the same anymore how it was growing up and i kind of had to slowly accept that um very very close with my grandma still I unfortunately lost my grandfather due to covid um a year and a half ago mm-hmm. so it has been really difficult ever since for my grandma um and the family is kind of divided right now um because of everything that has happened um and me choosing to move to canada by myself was not taken well by other family members especially my aunt um she still thinks that i owe her something and i don't exactly see how um but yeah my other set of uncle and aunt they are they are okay i talk to them i've i've got a decent relationship with them but both of my uncles i love them so much and they love me back equally because growing up my mom was the only daughter and she was the only sister so growing up they all three were really close so i take after my mom in so many places i have to fill in her shoes in so many ways um it's it's tough doing that and at the same time dealing with your own trauma and at the same time trying to figure out what's going to be the next adventure for you because i don't want I don't want this to define me at all. So there's very handful of people who know my story, who know what actually happened with my mom. Uh whenever someone asks me how are your parents or 
it comes up in conversation and so many times with new people or with even people that you work with your friends the people you meet on a daily basis it comes up like where are your parents what did they do I I have to give them a vague answer because I cannot it, it it's triggering for me and plus I don't know these people and I don't want them to judge me or define me on the basis of this this is something I really have a very strong opinion about I do not want to share this part of my life to anyone and everyone because I think it's a privilege to know this side of me this vulnerable side of me and I don't want to be like that with just anyone you have to be really close to me to uh, for me to express this with uh, to you or like open myself so much to you because if anything I realized growing up with that trauma is don't be vulnerable I cannot afford to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and it it has um it has given me, um, I won't say strength, but it has really affected my mental health as well, trying to hold everything together, trying to be so strong for my grandparents, for, for myself, for my mom mostly, um, just trying to have a good life, a decent life or a normal life, the closest to normal life, because um, if I lose one more person in my life, I don't think I can take it. Um, I've lost all the good people. I've lost my mom. I've lost my grand, grandma. Um, I've lost my grandpa, sorry. And my grandma is really old. And I cannot even imagine what's going to happen to me if I ever have to lose her, God forbid. Um, so I'm trying to make the most of my life, make the most of the, um, make something out of my life, um, not take this for granted because they really fought really hard to praise me um and a lot of people have been hurt in the process as well um I would I would like to take a minute to acknowledge that as well because um I'm sure it wasn't easy for my aunt as well having to take a responsibility of someone else's child especially of someone who she didn't really know very well so um my uncles obviously had great feelings about me. They had no second thoughts about supporting me whatsoever because to them, I am their niece. Um, I am a child of someone they loved very close. Um, they still do. But for my aunt, she didn't know my mom like everyone else did. So I do think it's a bit unfair um, to have that responsibility bestowed upon her at that time and she had no choice but to take me in because that's how it went but um the part that I'm most upset about is it could have been dealt in a civil manner it didn't have to have gone to an extent of physical abuse of a child or um emotional mental abuse of a child who has already been through a lot um and I I just hope that she recognizes that one day so I don't I don't hate any of them I have got no hate for them because they did step in at some point as my mom and dad um but that thing has altered my brain for life um losing my mom and the physical abuse um growing up it was a lot to take in 
And I definitely do need therapy at this point. Definitely, but <laughs> unfortunately, it's not as easy as to, it's not accessible for people like me, especially living in Canada, at least for now. So I have found my outlet. I've found, um, I've taken solace in painting. I've taken solace in reading. I've taken solace in picking up different hobbies, meeting new people, traveling, and um, trying to separate myself from the life that I've lived it's always going to be a part of me it's never it's the void as we all say as we all know um, is never going to be filled by anyone else my grandma um, my grandma is blunt on very few occasions one of those occasions was growing up in ninth grade she told me that you have to just accept it that nobody ever will match to the level that your mom could have had for you. You just have to accept that. You just have to live with this void forever. No person, not even me, can fill that void for you. It's just how it is. And it's just how it's going to be. And it's going to hurt. It's going to really hurt. But that's all you have to do. You have to be strong. You have to be determined like your mom was for you. And it hit me. It, I remember her exact words, the way she said it, where she said it. What was the time? What was I doing in that exact moment? It's all, the memory is crystal clear, the way she said it. And it's, I'm never going to forget that. Because mm. as hard it is to accept, it is the truth. It is the ultimate truth. The void. You've lost your mom. There's no person who's going to fill that for me ever. And her, basically, she wanted to tell me I should stop trying because I was trying until that point, trying to look for that void in other people's places. Um, and she said, nobody is going to do that for you. You, you will never be. Um, you'll try to you'll try to make best of your life you'll try to become the most fulfilled person as you can but losing my mom I don't think that's attainable at this point because I have to live with that and that's the most fulfilled I'm ever going to be ever yeah you'll always have a mom-sized hole yes yes that's the first thing I read on your page and I'm like that 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 hits home <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of people try to fill it with lots of things whether that's it's other people like you said some people it's material things or alcohol or drugs or you know I think everybody tries to self-medicate to try to fill that hole but there is nothing that's going to fill that hole um I'm, I've got more than double your age, but one of the things I can say personally for me has been learning how to lean on myself the most. And that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot, especially if you've, your defense mechanism has been to um, do all the things and do well academically and do all the things so that uh, you don't cause trouble for anybody else. Our self-defense mechanisms sometimes don't allow us to really be 
experience pride as we should as daughters without moms because we lost we lost that ultimate cheerleader in our lives. We did. Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of times we listen to that other person in our head who's not the most positive voice. Um, but it can be done. The amazing thing is, is that your brain can change. You can change the pathways of your brain to new pathways. Um, but it does take a lot of hard work. And like you said, not only did you have the traumatic loss of your mom, the abandonment of your father, then him coming back and trying to um, sue for, for custody. And then the, the experience that you had with your aunt, you have um, definitely a lot of accumulative grief and trauma and effects. So I really do hope for you that when you do have access to care, that you take advantage of it. And I do know that there are things out there that you can take advantage of that don't cost any money. I know there are a lot of organizations who provide support um, for people. So I'm going to look into some of those for you and send you some links and things when we're done. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think it is important. Um, I, I mean, I think I think we can, can, as long as we're alive, we can continue to work on ourselves. For me, at least, you know, I've enjoyed getting to know myself better and giving myself a little bit of grace, but it took a while. I don't know if I could have done it in my twenties. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Every day is just so hard. I am I feel I recognize that I'm hard on myself. I'm way too hard on myself and I shouldn't be. I should give myself a little bit more love, um, cut myself some slack. But then I remember everything and I'm like, nope, I can't stop. I, I just can't. But it's and that's that's the damage that I'm probably doing to myself, not taking a break every once in a while and catching a breather every once in a while and um, just getting um swamped with everything that's going on in my life and trying to suppress what I'm actually feeling which is I'm missing my mom on a very um, day-to-day basis Um, as I mentioned before it hits me now more than it did before because I see kids growing up and I am an adult now so it hits me that how much I missed out on Um, I didn't have anyone to pack my lunches I didn't have anyone to come to my open house and see that her daughter has been top of a glass. I didn't have anyone to. It was always, um, my grandma was there for me as much as she can, but my uncle used to attend my open houses as much as he could. But sometimes he would not even go to my open house because he knew, he was like, what's the, there was one point, there was an incident where he did not come to my open house and he's like, I'm late for work. I can't, I can't stay. And I was like, but you didn't go to my open house. We still are about to hit my class. And he says that there's nothing new that's going to be, your your name's going to be on the board. You're going to be in top three of your class. I don't have to worry about you. And I'm like, I know, but I want you to be there. But I don't think he realized what he did in that moment. I think he was not thinking and I don't blame him for that. But it made me realize if, if only my mom was here, she would have been so proud. And my grandma, 
tries to um, tell me that as much as she can. Like, if your mom was here, she would be proud of you. We are proud of you. She tries to tell me how um, there are other family members, apart from the one that already mentioned, that they are proud of you um, for taking in charge of your life and making, um, making so much out of it, out of so little or so nothing, basically. Um, but no at the end of the day as we all said my mom is the biggest cheerleader so it's uh it's something that I have to um accept that she's not going to be there she's probably watching me somewhere I've got um growing up I didn't have pictures of her we didn't really have any pictures of her because um we didn't really talk about her actually we didn't talk about my mom at all. It was always spoken privately between my grandma and me. All of those stories that I've heard about her it has been um, told to me by my grandma. As a family, we never spoke of her. Um, and I think, and I wish they did. And I wish they acknowledged that she's gone. And I wish they just didn't act that she's, she just like never existed. I think everyone kind of dealt with their grief in their own individual way. Um, but it kind of made me feel like they have forgotten her. It kind of gave me the image that they have forgotten her. And I don't think that's the case because she was a big part of my uncle's life. She was their sister. She was the daughter. Um, she was much more than my mom but um, I just wish that we had spoken we didn't really have I didn't really have any pictures of her so the first thing I did when I moved out was get a couple pictures of her and they are placed like everywhere like you can see in my video um, there's a frame this frame is my mom's picture um, there's a frame near the fan over there that's another frame so every day as soon as I wake up I need to see her like I need to remember her um, because um, life is too busy right now and I may forget that you know she ever existed there, there could be times where I, there are days when I go without not thinking about her at all you know but I don't want to do that I want to remember her every single day so I've got framed pictures of her I've made like printed out pictures of me as a baby and her and um, just made an album of it to for myself, just for myself. And I love having those pictures around because growing up, I didn't really have her have her pictures around. So, hmm. wow! I really appreciate you being here today and sharing your story with us. I usually finish the podcast if you have a final thought or something you want to share with the listeners before we leave today. My final thought would only be like, hang in there, mm. just hang in there. Um, anyone who has gone through a similar experience of losing a loved one or losing their mom to be specific, um, that I'm only gonna say what my grandma's gonna, what my grandma said to me and she still does stop looking to fill that void it's not gonna be filled by anyone um but that doesn't mean that you're incomplete your mom's there she's watching you and she's proud of you for what you've become what you've gone through and I'm sure every mom out there is proud of their 
babies out there um your mum is also proud of you uh, my mum is proud of me and we have managed to survive till this point we can go a while as well a while longer as well There's a quote that says something about if you look back at your track record, you've done pretty well so far. So if you look back at what you've been through, that you can hang in there and keep going. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for being here and let's keep in touch and um, keep me updated as to how you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you, Beth. Thanks for the reschedule. I really appreciate it. This was... Um, this was quite an experience for me to talk about her on a platform like this. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. This, mm -hmm. my mom is something and this story is something which is really close to me. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.